if you ask me whether we will see uh, ChatGPT-5, for example, uh, prove the mathematical problems in five years from now, I would say to you, no. Generative AI and large language models, um, which kind of created sort of cogni cognition, but this cognition is not real cognition, but this is a huge step towards that. So what I expect is, uh, first of all, I expect that uh, this technology will be incorporated and become um, embedded almost in every application we have, in uh, our smartphones, in uh, computers, in the way how we develop software, in the way how we consulting, uh, doing consult consultations on different uh, domains, etc., etc. Hi friends and welcome to this exciting episode of Leading with Data. Today I have with me Danny, uh, who has been part of uh, our community and brings an immense experience. He is based out of Israel and uh, I'm really lucky to get his time and then uh, uh, having him on the podcast to share his learning, his perspective, how he has grown to become a influencer and how he shares his uh, learnings with the community. So looking forward to the show, Danny, and thanks for your time uh, for the show. Thank you very much, Kunal. And it's my pleasure and my honor to, to be here with you and having an interview. Great. So Danny, let's start with, uh, you know, how you started and got into data science. So, so what was early days for you? Like, uh, what was early education like? And when did you kind of uh, get into data science? How did that happen? Yes. So everything uh, started with my attraction uh, to math, to, to mathematics mm -hmm. at early ages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, at uh, five years old, I, I, I was uh, fascinated uh, by arithmetics and uh, was uh, developing myself uh, uh, very fast. And mm -hmm. uh, it comes together with uh, uh, chess. And I was like uh, studying in the school of chess. Okay. Um, so, and by the way, um, the school I was uh, studying. Uh, it was uh, the school where Gary Kasparov was a student. Oh, and, wow. Okay. <laughs> we, both, we, we both from uh, the same city, Baku, which is uh, mm -hmm. Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So later on, uh, my passion for mathematics uh, turned to be uh, something more substantial, like Olympiads, uh, uh, different levels and mm -hmm. uh, achievements. And as I grew, up uh, my way of thinking my way of perception of the world was uh tended to be kind of philosophical mm -hmm. so uh and uh, uh later on uh, when i was in uh, high school I, I was a student in special math class mm -hmm. and back then i was inspired by pierre Fermat last theorem it was my mm -hmm. i read a book about it and i fell in love with a fascinating story. And uh, when mm -hmm. I graduated uh, my high school in uh, 1995, it was mm -hmm. uh, then when Andrew Wiles, a British uh, mathematician, who proved the last theorem of Fermat. It was yeah. uh, something uh, which uh, impacted me uh, a lot. 
And then I thought mm -hmm. about the ability to create some kind of cognitive artificial intelligence that can prove mathematical problems. Uh, so not to solve them, but to prove them. Uh, wow. So that was my initial uh, um, thought that uh, I can say that my, my journey to the world of uh, statistical uh, machine learning, and data science and AI started uh, right there from, from this yeah. thought. So just a couple of, uh, you know, uh, follow-up questions on that. So, so uh, uh, I'm presuming at some point you would have started, uh, you know, using computers for, for these, uh, uh, you know, mathematical formulations or running your statistical program. So, so how was that interaction? What was some of the early languages which you used? And, and was it to, you know, let's say prove or disprove some of these theorems or that was almost independent? And, and the second thing is you, when you say philosophical mathematics, can you elaborate a bit more on that? So, so, uh, what, what, uh, what fascinated you and then, uh, you know, what were, what was that hook which got you uh, hooked on? Yeah, so uh, my first uh, programming language was Pascal. Uh, okay. Then uh, C, and then C++. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yes, I was uh, studying uh, not only math, but the computer science. And it mm -hmm. was kind of uh, very uh, logical to me that I can implement okay. uh, some calculations. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, using computer, but I have to say that I always saw in uh, in computer science, like in language programming languages, and even in math, is like like a tools, nothing mm -hmm. more than yeah. tools. Uh, right. So, so I wasn't looking for the tools. This mm -hmm. is not mm -hmm. what uh, I wanted to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, programming and software engineering uh, brought many things to the world, making mm -hmm. our lives uh, much more comfortable, uh, smarter, efficient, you name it. Yeah. Uh, but as I mentioned, my love of math and chess was interconnected with the philosophy of science. And by philosophy, right. answering your second uh, uh, follow-up question, is like I saw in mathematics uh, a language efficient language that we can describe the universe, the world we're living in through this language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I looked at it not on, only as in a formulas or as in a, uh, a theorems and proofs. I saw in, a, in that something more than this. And I understood at certain points that if we want to describe our world much more precisely and better, we have to use math. And my philosophical journey continued from that point. And I was asking myself, why do I need to, to describe our world? Why do I need that? So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and then uh, obviously uh, uh, answers uh, started to arrive uh, after I read some books and I developed myself and I grew up. Uh, mm -hmm. that I uh, felt that a lot of phenomena in our lives uncontrollable. We don't know yeah. to predict them. We don't know uh, to prescribe them. Uh, mm -hmm. Best way we can do is just uh, maybe to to do some descriptive analytics, to, uh, to do kind of statistical uh, analysis, but nothing more than this. And yeah. I, I yeah. thought to myself, um, 
like, uh, you know, at this time, as a boy, I didn't know that ter uh, terminology then. But I felt mm -hmm. the urgent need to explore the world around us and try to explain it more and more. So mm -hmm. this thinking pattern brought me to data science. Interesting. And do you remember any specific uh, aha moments during this journey? So either in computer science or in mathematics or in data science. Uh, for example, you know, I, I remember very categorically when I uh, saw the first prediction algorithm working, it was like a aha moment for me. Uh, another one was, you know, uh, one of my friends had developed a big... Uh, program in C++, a big software while working in school. And it was very fascinating to see those. So, so any any aha, aha moments which you remember in your journey, which, which had a long-lasting impact uh, on you? Yes. So, you know, uh, to be uh, honest, uh, the aha moment came to me uh, at uh, later stages, mm -hmm. not at the beginning. Uh, okay. And it was my observations like of the mm -hmm. modern world, where we uh, have unlimited digital devices, computers, mm -hmm. sensors, smartphones, you name it. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, each one of these devices leaves its trace. Mm -hmm. By studying and analyzing the traces, uh, we can understand our behavior as a humans, organizations, yeah. businesses, mm -hmm. countries, and even humanity the yeah. more we dive in the uh the more we dive in uh the more we move from understanding the patterns to predicting them and that was mm -hmm. uh my aha moment where i understood the necessity to uh apply specific tools to predict events right uh, yeah and the ultimate goal uh, is obviously was the, the prescriptive analytics. So when we yeah. can predict and prevent, because we know what to do. For example, yeah. we can prevent fraud, we can prevent diseases, natural catastrophes, yeah. and even worse. Uh, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you see, this is my chain of thoughts, epistemically grounded on philosophy, that brought me mm -hmm. gradually to data science. So suppose you ask me. How would define data science? Um, mm -hmm. In that case, I probably uh, will say to you, if mathematics is the language through which we can articulate our understanding of the universe and our world, then data science is one of its dialects. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, Very interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. You, you, you feel even uh, in tr trying to uh, provide some definition, uh, I always mm -hmm. use my, through my prism of uh, perception and uh, philosophy is involved heavily. Uh, yeah. Beyond, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I would just add that you've done a lot of work in, uh, you know, detecting financial crime. So I'm presuming a lot of these things that you're mentioning about studying behavior closely, studying the patterns on the devices is, is where it, uh, you know, leads to and then uh, maybe as a as a follow-up question then you know 
developing this interest in data science to you know becoming a chief data scientist and then working very actively in you know fairness bias and then uh, uh, detecting financial crimes uh can you can you you know double click on that journey and then uh, share uh, how it was and some of the key moments for you of course i have to say that uh, before coming to financial crime domain i was uh, um in different uh, other domains like healthcare computer vision uh, signal mm-hmm. processing and when i came to financial crime i uh in a, in a while, I was fascinating about this, this domain because it contains so much uh, unsolved problems mm-hmm. and the difficult ones. So it attracts me a lot because uh, the more problem is complicated, the, I, I, I just lo- I love to solve complicated problems. So mm-hmm. in, uh, and in my work uh, uh, on, on financial uh, crime detection, uh, so what, what we're doing is um, trying to uh, detect and prevent fraud, fraudulent behaviors. Mm-hmm. And behind the fraud uh, is obviously usually the human. And yeah. understanding human behavior is a complex thing. It is intricate. Got it. So it's yeah. something that beyond uh, understanding or analyzing some uh, data coming from digital sensor. It's yeah, much it's much more. Yeah, yeah. So, and my work uh, on on fairness and bias in uh, AI with this domain, with financial crime space, I focused on developing models and algorithms that detect uh, fraudulent activities um, accurately and do so without inherent biases against certain groups. And it's very important. Mm-hmm. A key yeah. challenge was is ensuring the models don't perpetuate uh, existing prejudice, which required yeah. meticulous data analysis and model training processes. So one interesting right. finding was that even subtle biases in training data could could significantly uh, skew uh, results, and highlighting the importance of uh, diverse, well-curated datasets and transparent model architectures for equitable uh, AI applications, yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, but, and and it's it's. Uh, I was just going to say that it's it's a very yeah. difficult and very hard problem to solve because you know, uh, a you you don't have a finite universe you are looking for. The biases can creep in in many form and shapes, and b you know ultimately you are relying on the data to give you insight so uh, and if that comes with these biases it becomes extremely hard to you know solve these problems so so uh, you know what were some of the uh, let's say methodologies or practices which uh, uh, helped you to to navigate this complex problem yes you're absolutely correct you you're pointing uh, to uh, the core of, of the problem uh, of uh, trying to be transparent, uh, create ethical AI. Uh, yeah. So to determine the bias is very difficult because uh, to do so, you, you need to come up with the units, units okay. to measure the bias, but there are no units. Uh, so it's obviously when you don't have a metric uh, or units to measure, 
So how can you um, how, how can you tackle this? Yeah. yeah. So uh, so uh, one of my main focuses in this area was to come up with uh, uh, some uh, metric spaces uh, that uh, encapsulate uh, major types of biases because we can mm -hmm. categorize biases but we we are experiencing difficulties with measuring them but we can categorize yeah. them and uh, mm -hmm. this was uh, uh, one of my uh, serious uh, works on that and even have a patent on that so um, so uh, uh, so the co-inventors of this pattern uh, uh, is Amir Shahar and uh, Yav uh, of Neon, where three of us uh, thought about that, and we came up uh, with uh, uh, with the idea of how we uh, can measure and reduce bias in training uh, datasets. Um, so this is one aspect. The second aspect mm -hmm. aspect is to, to 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 deal with the models, to make yeah. them uh, like uh, more transparent, to explain mm -hmm. them, especially when we yeah. deal with uh, neural networks. Uh, so th there are a lot of methodologies in academia, but mm -hmm. uh, few of them uh, can be applied uh, and bring practically good results. Mm -hmm. So what what I'm doing uh, in that direction is I'm just uh, investigating uh, uh, existing approaches, and I'm trying to uh, come up with some sort of ensemble approach to to measure and to alleviate the uh, uh, explainability uh, and interpretability problem with the models. And by the way, this is uh, two, uh, two uh, terms, but they are used very closely and sometimes yeah. interchangeably, but this is a different thing. Uh, so, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, I understand when you say that uh, you know you tried to account for the major biases but uh, the way to kind of get to the major biases itself would mean that you would need to start with some hypothesis so so there would still be a risk of unknown unknown biases right which would still stay in the data uh, uh, even after doing these corrections is that that's, that's right that's correct uh, yeah uh, again you are touching uh, the core uh, the core thing in that. So obviously, uh, when you come to the situation when you have unknown unknowns, uh, you have to have uh, ground truth. You have to mm -hmm. have uh, some reference you you, you mm -hmm. can trust. And in this particular area of financial crime, uh, it comes from the uh, subject matter experts in the field. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and and, 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 and all of this relies eventually on huge amount of data uh, and statistical analysis. That mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of uh, brings us to the sort of uh, ground truth. Um, mm -hmm. I cannot say that this ground truth 100% unbiased. It contains some uh, bias, but uh, this is a way uh continue to develop it in order to try to understand how much it unbiased in in creating a back loop after 
So yeah. once yeah. You, you, you're getting a feedback from uh, subject matter experts and from statistical analysis, then you produce uh, results, then you see, uh, see it as uh, another results, and then you measure the results and provide the feedback back again to, yeah. to where you start. So, right. but you have to ignite this process once, yeah. and then it starts working. This is a general idea. Correct, correct. In fact, I mean, uh, the, the honest truth is that, you know, all of this is happening beyond the starting point, which was biased. So, so what is happening today, uh, let's say, as, as outcomes of these uh, financial processes was the starting point. So whatever we have done is better than that. Uh, so you have re by removing these biases, you have, you have achieved a better stage. Obviously, it is uh, there is a journey to, to get to a more... Uh, unbiased model and then uh, it keeps on obviously developing so so completely understand right. that right and we, yeah. we we also addresses the the model governance requirement uh from mm -hmm. uh, our models to be transparent and unbiased uh more than that we, we we achieve accuracy and precision uh on the results and it is a big ethical problem when when the machines uh, in the banks, for example, decides uh, specifically for a particular group on uh, one way and uh, on the other group, uh, it has different decisions. Um, uh, having into, taking into account that all the, the, the statistics are the same. So this is uh, unethical. To do so, that's what's uh, for me. It is uh, super important uh, yeah. to produce uh, ethical AI. Correct, correct. And uh, uh, in in specifically in this domain, right? There is obviously a lot of work happening, a lot of exciting developments happening. But how do you see, let's say, next few years? And and you know, what are some of the key things which you would uh, think would make AI more transparent and more uh, uh, free of biases or le le uh, having lesser biases uh, in, in, let's say, three years' time or five years' time or whatever time frame you think is right? Yes, I think, first of all, uh, more uh, approaches and methods will uh, be created and uh, developed. Uh, but I think the kind of uh, methods will be uh, uh, very heavy in terms of uh, time uh, cal uh, calculations, uh, yeah. runtime. So, and another thing is that in order to uh, improve uh, significantly the the whole world of uh, financial crime and to detect and prevent uh, fraud, um, we we need the, the calculational power because to yeah. detect hidden patterns of behavioral uh, fraudulent behaviors, it requires a lot of uh, sophisticated algorithms and ensemble families of algorithms and models. And all that brings us to the, to the, to the point of, uh, of uh, uh, computational consumption. And what I mean yeah. is, like what I see uh, next, uh, let's say, five years or decade from now, is integration of uh, quantum computing within wow. uh, within the field of AI and consequently 
uh, in financial crime analysis. So the application of quantum computing could exponentially increase the speed and capacity of the data uh, processing in financial crime detection, uh, mm -hmm. enabling the analysis of vastly more complex data sets and transactions in, in a fraction of the time uh, currently possible. So yeah. this, is, this is regarding the financial crime. That's one of my uh, visions. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not long uh, future. It's a short, to okay. me, it's a short future. And, and are you studying uh, quantum mechanics and uh, uh, its application to um, mathematical problems already? Or that's something which uh, you would want to do in future? Um, by the way, I, I published a, a volume article on uh, quantum computing uh, uh, in uh, AI uh, oh. on analytics video. So okay. uh, I'm usually, I'm usually <laughs> I have my Medium account, and uh, when mm -hmm. I publish in Medium, uh, then I publish to Analytics Video. So uh, the audience, audience that uh, hear me now, can I invite them to 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 look for for me in in, in this space and find this article. Um, uh, Besides, yes, I, I, I did a, a, a quite a, a comprehensive uh, research in that field. Yeah. And my conclusion mm -hmm. was that the tools are not there yet. Right. But it will take, it will take uh, maybe a few years that we can uh, start incorporating the tools. They are, they, they exist, and uh, we can use them, but the precision that they provide are not there yet. So yeah. in my opinion, it's not uh, mature enough, but it's a matter of years. Yes, got it, got it, very interesting. And uh, in your knowledge, has anyone applied a, a you know, a, a creator and a, a degenerator approach? So, so basically two networks, one trying to create scenarios for, let's say, uh, financial crimes and uh, on another side, a network trying to degenerate it. I mean, are those kind of approaches uh, being uh, tried out in, in financial crime uh, detection? Yeah, actually, you are touching uh, the topic of generative AI, basically, yeah, when yeah. Uh, uh, decoder, uh, this is the, the tango between decoder and encoder. So, yes, this approach is uh, is being used. But uh, primarily task for this approach is to create, to generate synthetic frauds okay. uh, for the purpose of uh, uh, alleviating the huge pain point in extreme class imbalance in uh, fraud detection. Uh, what I mean is that when you uh, train your classification model to detect what, what transaction is fraudulent and what is not you need uh, more or less uh, to have some balance between uh, training data and in the labels so but fraud yeah. is something that happens once in a while so we deal with the extreme uh, imbalance with fraud which is about uh, one fraud to ten thousand transactions which brings okay. us to the 0.01 percent so this is huge imbalance and you obviously experience a lot of uh, problems with uh, uh, class, uh, making uh, classified uh, model. So 
Yeah. Uh, this uh, 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 approach with generating synthetic fraud comes to uh, alleviate this problem. Correct, correct. Uh, and, uh, but if you meant, but yeah. if you meant whether we can uh, synthetically generate the behavior of the fraudulent, uh, this is much more. Yes, this is something that we are aiming for, and this is mm -hmm. this is our future uh, um, future research. And I have to say that uh, we are heavily uh, uh, investing. Uh, for a couple of years in the research uh, of uh, online machine learning paradigm, where models okay. do, do not have to be trained, they train on mm -hmm. the fly. And this paradigm mm -hmm. can bring us closer together with the generative AI to the point where we can generate uh, uh, fraudulent behavior on the fly in real time. Interesting, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, neural networks specifically was one of the areas where, you know, uh, financial industry took time to apply it because of its black box nature. But I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in coming time, there would be some of these very interesting developments and outcomes and, and it has already started happening it's not that it's not happening now but but i think yes. the initial phase uh, was low but but uh, very exciting to be uh, in that industry at this stage great so uh, uh danny just changing gears a bit uh uh you you do a lot of content creation and you share a lot uh, of you know your learning on uh, analytics with their on medium on linkedin as well so uh, i mean uh, when did you start doing it which platform has worked great for you and then what what is the intrinsic motivation what drives uh, that uh, you know sharing of that knowledge with the community yes so uh, i tried to, uh, at the beginning i was uh, using linkedin and mm -hmm. I was using it occasionally, but at some point in time, I uh, revealed uh, another aspect of myself. It's like I get uh, satisfaction when I mm -hmm. uh, explain to myself, first of all, complex mm -hmm. things in mathematics, in statistics, in machine learning, data science. And by the way, not only complex, every problem <laughs> that I can explain to myself very concisely. For example, in one, in one slide. And I was fascinated about this because it helped me for myself uh, sometimes to remember things while I'm, I was uh, doing my day-to-day uh, -day job. I, you know, sometimes the formula, sometimes the schemas, the hierarchies of uh, uh, families of algorithms, of models. And then I uh, just occasionally uh, started to publish it on uh, LinkedIn and I saw that people uh, liked it a lot. And then I understood mm -hmm. that that's what people are missing because you cannot find any reference or book or paper where you can get uh, concisely and deeply uh, comprehensive explanation for a, a particular uh, terminology, phenomenon or concept. It's just mm -hmm. aren't there. So I decided to do so, and I got a lot of feedbacks. People said to me, maybe you publish a book about that. Uh, so mm -hmm. each, each page of the book will be a, a concept in one page. So it yeah. doesn't matter which concept it is. So that's ignited me, 
and that's how I started to to be an influencer in um, in uh, LinkedIn, and uh, that's what uh, about the dri- my drive. So I, I enjoy explaining people uh, uh, concisely, uh, so they understand things, and they come to me and say, I studied three years of uh, computer science and uh, data science, and I could not understand this. Uh, concept once i looked on, on one slide of you i understood it so mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. gave me the, uh, the, the satisfaction this is one yeah. thing and, and 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 i think the success in that and i, I will bring you uh, again to the philosophy is that it has to be intuition in the explanation it, it has to yeah. be analogy it has to yeah. be a metaphor they mm-hmm. are the keys here uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm using, uh, I, I like a lot, that's my favorite scientist, Richard Feynman. And once he said, mm-hmm. if you cannot uh, yeah. explain to five years old, uh, yeah, everybody knows this. I took it uh, yeah. a bit uh, and changed it. And I said, I adopted this principle, and, and but I rephrased it in my style. And I said, mm-hmm. when you can't explain something to five years child, you don't understand it deep enough by yourself. And mm-hmm. that's where uh, you understand when you able to bring intuition and analogy or even metaphor to explanation that indicates your deep understanding of things. And this is a real yeah. example I can, I can I want to bring. Uh, when mm-hmm. I explain uh, to Vivian, uh, Vivian is my daughter. Uh, she is 11. Okay. What is feature mm-hmm. in machine learning? So. Mm-hmm. No, I try to explain it like the way it, the painter paints his artwork, and mm-hmm. one of the shades of his colors is a feature. Is a feature because what he produces, he produces reflection of the world he sees. What is a model? Yeah. Model tries to take a part of our life and to reproduce and- it. The painter reproduced something that he saw, but how he does it with the with the with the colors, usually with the colors, or yeah. the tone or the shaders. So that's how I explained to my daughter what is a feature in machine learning, wow. and she got it. Interesting, uh, very interesting. <laughs> and and how does your current process of creating this content look like? So do you? Uh, pick a topic and then simplify it and once you've reached that stage that is when you publish it or you uh, you know uh, work on it along with uh, uh, publishing it so so can you kind of uh, yeah. uh, uh, break down the process in which you go about uh, building this phenomenal content yes thank you uh, I have uh, three principles uh, mm-hmm. which guides me uh, on uh, what I produce, how I produce, and when I produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, uh, I always trying to talk about the fundamentals. Fundamentals in statistics, in data science, in machine learning, uh, because fundamentals are the building blocks. If you don't understand yeah. fundamentals, you cannot understand neural networks. You cannot understand mm-hmm. uh, uh, uncertainty uh, evaluation in uh, complex systems. You cannot understand yeah. parsimonious uh, models. You cannot understand 
Chaos expansion. I, I mentioned mm -hmm. here the topic that uh, maybe audience not familiar with, but all all that related to AI and uh, and uh, machine learning systems. So you have to understand the fundamentals, and I focus on fundamentals, and I I'm, I uh, bring them. Second uh, uh, principle is parsimonious approach for explaining complex things. By mm -hmm. parsimonious, I mean uh you try to explain something complex uh using simple way simple language yeah. simple thoughts uh and this is incorporated in uh, in my slides in my content and third principle yeah. is always like always provide a sense of intuition in infographics in articles and in posts you have to mm -hmm. do it because every uh one who reads that especially people who are aspiring data scientists they want to become mm -hmm. a data scientist or junior data scientist when they understand the intuition behind something it stays with them they won't forget yeah. it never correct so th this is uh, my approach to generate the content and and with these principles how do you ensure that you are able to you know post regularly because usually you know uh, some piece of content might end up taking much longer than you expected something might happen uh, more quickly than than the other pieces so so how do you manage that or are you don't manage that and you say as you produce you will publish yeah so uh, uh, first, allow me to uh, to augment what I said. So mm -hmm. on top of my publications, uh, uh, consistent publications in LinkedIn, I have uh, created a data science community in my company, oh, wow. in NiceArtima, okay. which mm -hmm. uh, brings together uh, many data science teams all over the globe, from wow. United and States. And then how big is that community? Yeah. Yeah, uh, from United States, from uh, Europe, from Israel, from uh, India. Uh, so uh, once I identify that when you have many data scientists and you work in the big corporate, it tends to be uh, working in the silos, and uh, like yeah. um, and, and and it's not uh, there is no sense of uh, uh, something that uh, shared among uh, people. Uh, so cross sharing I, between teams is limited. Yeah. That is, is, yeah. Yeah. So, so we share them their uh, research, we share mm -hmm. uh, insights, uh, ongoing work. Uh, we have a, a schedule, uh, a kind of presentation, and everyone every time uh, speaks about different things. We have, we have an eighty people, eighty eight zero people in our data science community. And uh, we sometimes uh, invite uh, um, uh, external uh, speakers. So uh, I think that changed the way data scientists feel. So this is one yeah. uh, additional uh, thing that I'm doing. On top mm -hmm. of that, besides my content on LinkedIn, I have my uh, AI Vanguard newsletter, which I publish mm -hmm. uh, every week. Every week mm -hmm. I publish a newspaper, a newspaper about the uh, recent uh, articles, interesting articles that I, uh, from my perspective, industry insights, yeah. uh, uh, mentorship uh, uh, corner, where I provide uh, advices 
how to uh, when I to mentor to coach uh, uh, data scientists, young people, uh, young scientists. So my uh, uh, newsletter is, is is kind of uh, not 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 regular one because it's not only about the industry uh, about the uh, paper. It's also uh, about the growth, personal growth and professional growth for people. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, reverse to the to to to, to your question, how I'm ma managing to do so in the con constant pace and all the time. So here are the thing so and this is what i'm my, my advice to all all of uh, who are listening uh, to us right mm -hmm. now if you want to become uh, successful doesn't have to be data science it can be uh, uh, something yeah. else uh, software mm -hmm. engineer or statisticians or mathematicians it doesn't matter you have to to develop your mental muscles, your mental forces. And why I'm speaking about mentality? It is because everything uh, comes to this, not to the technical problems, not to the problems of understanding things and hard uh, materials. It's all about how you can manage, how you can tackle the obstacles. How much mental forces do you have? It's about resilience. It's about consistency. It's about discipline. And it's about mm -hmm. adaptability. Yeah. You have to be able to adapt yourself to the environment. And that's the power. It's difficult to do. But this is one of the key uh, pillars here. Discipline. You mm -hmm. have to be very disciplined. You have to know that each day you learn one new word in some particular language or each day you learn some new concept in data science and you tell yeah. yourself each day or you know what it, it doesn't have to be a day each week but what's important here is that you consist consistently do it if you said yeah. one concept per week so you do it one concept per week doesn't matter what this is about discipline uh, consistency yeah. yes sometimes we we feel a failure sometimes we feel like we don't have uh, motivation uh i suggest you to read my uh, newsletter every time i mention uh, and provide the articles about how to to deal with that um uh, consistency consistency is the key and for to being consistent you need to be motivated you need to 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 get fitted with something that bring you energy and this could yeah. be anything, your family, your children, your, your, your book or the movie you see. You have to, to balance your life. And resilience, right. um, resilience is uh, all about uh, being able to stand up uh, no matter what and continue your, uh, your path. So this is what brings me and enables me to do what I do uh, every week. Um, on different uh, aspects great thanks thanks for uh, you know uh, sharing that and then elaborating on that uh, uh, just as a you know follow-up question on that right so how is uh, danny 
today different from what he was two years back so so on your own personal growth journey because you know when you put this con- uh, efforts consistently you you grow and then the newsletter which you mentioned is also focused on your growth so so can you elaborate on you know the kind of development you've seen on yourself in the last couple of years yeah so first of all uh, i have to say that uh, if i compare myself with uh, two or three years back I became much more better storyteller. Mm-hmm. Storytelling in data science, it's not only in data science, but in that sense, very important. It's important when you explain to someone. It's important mm-hmm. when you present. It's important when you uh, present uh, in your company to the stakeholders, to executive management. It's important okay. when you present to the clients. It provides you enormous uh, potential to grow up by being a storyteller teller. and uh, obviously when you're a good storyteller that means that you know articulate and understand things you can you you are uh, able to speak different languages language of science language of product language of uh, uh, literature uh, yeah. language of metaphors and analogies so this is uh, one uh, definitely uh, thing that I feel myself. Uh, also, mm-hmm. during these three years or so, maybe four, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a lot. Uh, so if we look at the number of uh, articles that I, I, I've written, so the density, the majority of articles would be concentrated in my last three or four years. Right. Mm-hmm. So just for example, up till then, it was maybe uh, five. Today, I have mm-hmm. more than 15. And uh, uh, today, I have a patents, uh, seven of them, uh, most mm-hmm. of them on uh, online machine learning, and wow. some of them on other topics. So I am mm-hmm. an inventor too. That's what differentiates me from uh, Danny, who was four years back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and of course, uh, something that uh, very obvious is that four years back or, or five years back, I was not familiar with the financial crime uh, domain. I yeah. didn't know this uh, this domain. So today, I think I I am enlightened uh, with how much information I know, how things operate, uh, how banks operate what's going on behind the scene, everything. So this puts me in an absolutely different uh, uh, place than I was uh, four or five years back. Great, great. Thanks, thanks for uh, sharing that, Danny. Uh, just, uh, you know, wanted to spend a few minutes on how do you see next few years? And then one of the trends you've already mentioned is that at some point you expect uh, quantum machine learning uh, to to converge with a lot of work which is happening today. Any other key trends which you see and are uh, excited about? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, of course. I won't start by uh, by generative AI. Yes, it's obvious. I will mm-hmm. finish. You know, I would mention a, a climate modeling. Mm-hmm. Climate modeling uh, is something uh, 
super uh, imperative, super intricate, complex, and consuming a lot of computational power. And that brings us uh, logically to the quantum computing. Once quantum computing uh, uh, will be mature, we'll be able uh, to create climate modeling much more better than what we're yeah. doing today. Um, another aspect is uh, cognitive AI systems. So mm -hmm. their systems would go beyond uh, pattern recognition and learning to understand the inherent, uh, uh, to understand the intent behind the transactions and activities, for example, if we're talking about uh, mm -hmm. fraud. They would mimic human thought processes in evaluating the context and uh, motivations. For example, uh, like I said, financial behaviors, providing a deeper level of analysis or something that yeah. based on COVID. And that brings us to the last topic, which is a generative AI and large language models, um, which kind of created a sort of cogni cognition. But this yeah. cognition is not real cognition, but this is a huge step towards that. So what I expect is, uh, first of all, I expect that uh, this technology will be incorporated and become um, embedded almost in every application we have, in uh, mm -hmm. our smartphones, in uh, computers, in the way how we develop software, in the way how we consulting, uh, doing consult consultations on different uh, domains, etc., etc. So this is one. Second, it will improve itself in, in, in a matter of uh, how it can uh, control and analyze itself in terms of hallucinations, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, in terms of uh, uh, causality, uh, inference causality. Uh, things that are very difficult uh, today to to analyze, and by doing so, uh, it will create more um, more high quality, even more high quality content with uh, more fast speed. And if you ask me whether we will see uh, ChatGPT five, for example, uh, prove the mathematical problems in five years from now, I would say to you no. We won't be there in five years. So, uh, so what is the time you would put on that? You know, it's not about. Uh, so, this is the whole thing, the whole concept of this uh, approach is: you take, you learn, uh, you train on a huge corpus of data, and you take it from yeah. everywhere, from every domain, and you see the results, you see the improvements, but. There is some point, I assume, and by the way, um, the CEO of OpenAI mentioned that uh, several months back. When you reach the the volume of the data, that after this, you won't see the improvement. You will see more yeah. bias. You will see more negative results. So yes. the volume of the data is not uh, the way. It yeah. is the way until certain point, but not uh, all the time. So it, yeah. it has to be something else. For example, a, a different architecture, like something to replace GPT, for example. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yes, it, it can come up to us 10, 15 years. Uh, ChatGPT version X can In solve when, yeah. <laughs> Not solve, sorry, not solve. Prove. Prove it. Yeah. So and, yeah. and by prove, I mean not just to copy paste what it has learned. Like, you know, he, he learned a lot of chess uh, situations, right? So you start yeah. playing with the uh, chat GPT chess and you see he is a bad player. Why? He didn't get enough uh, information. No, he get enough, uh, a lot of information about chess. But what's the problem? The problem is that something there beyond the volume of information. This is about something okay. that it's not here. Yeah. The, the architecture would need to fundamentally change to, to address right. that. Right. Right. Okay. Great. Uh, so uh, just a few, uh, you know, uh, rapid fire questions to understand you better as a as a person. And this is just, uh, you know, on a, on a lighter side, right? So uh, uh, any particular book which, uh, you know, you haven't mentioned, but had a great impact on you uh, yes. in, in your journey. Of course, I will tell you several. First of all, Outlier Analysis by Cherua Garval. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably everybody knows him. Uh, it was it brought me a great impact. Uh, another book of him, Data Streams, Models and Algorithms. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the elements of statistical learning, the second edition, the first edition, that's uh, the Bible almost. And mm -hmm. uh, recently, I read a book that I felt in love, which is Algorithms Are Not Enough, uh, oh, Creating wow. gen General AI by Herbert uh, Roitblatt. I recommend mm -hmm. uh, to read this book. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, so the, uh, you mentioned Algorithms Are Not Enough. That's that's the book. Right. Algorithms Are Not Enough. Right. I'll, I'll, I haven't read that. I'll do that. And... Uh, uh, how much time do you spend on a, a daily basis towards you know learning these new concepts and new uh, and in creating content uh okay so i'll separate uh, creating content mm -hmm. and learning new concept learning new concept uh, takes me every day, uh, day about two hours and mainly it comes from the academic papers mm -hmm. um about the creating of content, uh, it takes me uh, approximately about 30-40 uh, minutes per day to create a content, mm -hmm. including uh, posts, uh, AI newsletter. Interesting. And, you know, given that we are in December, what are some of the things you would want to uh, either achieve or what are you looking forward to in 2024? Yes, we are starting uh, cutting edge research in the company, which has to do with generative AI in financial crime. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. going to uh, to uh, do uh, like kind of revolution, uh, ambitious uh, goal uh, to trying mm -hmm. to uh, do learning representation and represent feature space in absolutely different way. I won't tell you exactly uh, what, because it's uh, something that under uh, patents right now, but what we're going mm -hmm. to do, we're going to look at the data, uh, whether it's tabular data, with unstructured data or whatever, and represent it in absolutely different ways that has nothing to do with traditional uh, feature engineering. 
And our hypothesis is that this representation, this represented new features are more representative, less redundant, uh, more informative, and all that will impact on the quality of uh, machine learning models. Wow, looks like uh, very exciting 2024 uh, in that case. So, uh, you know, all the best for that. And then, uh, Nani, thanks a lot for, uh, you know, taking time out and sharing uh, these best practices, your perspective. I think so much of learning for uh, people who are listening to this. So once again, thanks a lot for, uh, you know, your time and sharing these uh, with the community. Thank you very much, Kunal. Uh, as I said, it was a big pleasure for me to, uh, to be a host. Uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to go through interview with you. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, analytics video. So uh, I want to thank you and uh, wish uh, a lot of uh, motivation and inspiration to all of uh, our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Danny.